today. Anybody know what today is? Resurrection Day. It's Easter. And Easter marks the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, the, we know that the resurrection of Jesus Christ happened three days after his crucifixion. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the foundation of Christianity. Without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. You cannot be a Christian without Christ, and Christ is our resurrected Savior, the one who saves us from our sins. The resurrection is an act of being raised from the dead. And the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, he will quicken your mortal bodies. So there is all of this going on in our belief and our understanding of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus confirms the teachings of Jesus. That life does not end after death. Life is beginning now in Christ and it is eternal. It is eternal and we will, because he lives, we shall live also. Without the resurrection, there is no hope of life after death. No other religion speaks of a bodily resurrection. Jesus stated in his, uh, when he was with um, Mary Martha at the death at the tomb of Lazarus, she, Jesus said that I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he asked Mary and Martha, do you believe this? And it is this reality that speaks to us about the resurrection of Christ and that he is alive. According to eyewitnesses, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there he not only appeared to his disciples, but he appeared to groups of up, upwards of 500. So the individuals who ran at the death of Jesus, ran at fear that they would be next crucified and killed for their faith, and their, uh, their partnership with Jesus. They ran, but after the, after the crucifixion, but later on, they would, they, would stay, they would stay with their faith and stay with their belief. And Stephen, the first martyr, we have his account of how that he was being stoned, and he looked up to heaven, and he saw Jesus, alive Jesus, standing at the right hand of the Father, waiting to receive him home. It is this belief that has given hope to Christians and to the Christian faith for nearly 2,000 years. The resurrection of Jesus Christ validates everything that Jesus said. It validates everything that he said about himself, about the meaning of life, the meaning and, and the hope of life, and the hope of eternal life, and the hope of, that the scriptures give to us. It's not what we have done. It's what God has done for us. And as we look at our lives and we look at the sum of our lives, it isn't what we have done, our sins, our failures. It's what Jesus Christ has done for us. We come to Easter with our faith. And unless we see the faith that, that we plant in Jesus Christ, that we have, um, that is, uh, sustains us in our hope, it's like seed being planted in the ground. When you plant seed in the ground, it has to die in order for it to spring to new life and to spring to the plant that it is meant to be. Well, God does not respond to our needs. God does not respond to our pain or our wants or our wishes. God responds to our faith. And our faith is what we use in our, in our understanding of Jesus Christ and our understanding of the scriptures. It's like the farmer who, who was in need of a, of a harvest and he went to the dirt, he went to the earth, and he went to the, 
ground and said, I need an advance on next year's crops. And the earth responded in the story, don't tell me your need, plant your seed. <laughs> don't tell me your need, plant your seed. And as we plant our seed, things, began to, we, things begin to grow. And what is it that our faith tells us? Our faith is that we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe that Jesus is the sacrifice and his death upon the cross is the atonement for our sins, that our sins are forgiven because of the blood of Jesus Christ shed upon the cross. I believe that with Jesus Christ all things are possible to him that believeth. I believe that because you live, I shall live also. It is this faith that we have in Jesus Christ that plants seeds in our life, that brings to fruition what we believe and what we, what we uh, have in place. You see, we are not prisoners of fate. We are not prisoners of our life and of our past. We are prisoners of our belief. We are prisoners of what we believe. You are here today where your thoughts and your beliefs have brought you. If you look around your life and you look at it, you are where we, we are where we are because of our faith and our belief. If we believe that tomorrow will be no different than today, our thoughts and our beliefs will take us there. But if we believe our life is worthless, if we believe that, um, we, you know, that nothing is of value and will ever change, we will act out those beliefs. But if we believe that God's word speaks hope to us, if we believe that the scriptures speak life to us, those words and those thoughts come to us by the spirit and by the word of God. And the promises of God's word comes into us and it, change, it challenges us and it changes us. And our belief becomes something that we are aspiring to, not what we are running from. With God's help, we can change. With God's help, we become different. We move towards our belief that God is at work in our lives. We move towards the understanding that God has a plan and a purpose for us. We know that God works, works in mysterious ways in our lives. You see, our faith in Jesus Christ, our belief is a positive force to realize the things that are hoped for for us to look at things that are not yet seen. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is a substance of things hoped for. You see, our faith is a reality that takes us in a direction. Our faith is a reality that takes us in a direction. It challenges our thoughts. It challenges the intents of our life. It challenges every aspect of who we are as a person, not by guilt and by manipulation. It challenges us by leading. Jesus is the good shepherd. He leads his sheep. His sheep know his name. His sheep know his voice. He knows our name and he speaks to our hearts and our lives. We are led in the direction of our belief. We are led in the direction of our faith. We are led in the direction of what we believe will take place in our lives. There are many people who live their nights in anxious darkness. Too many people live their lives in this anxiousness of, the, of what they have done and how they have failed. They live in a downward spiral of lost hope. 
but Jesus Christ has come to give life and to give it to us in abundance. Jesus Christ has come to speak the words of life and hope into us. Easter is about the message of what Jesus has done for us. The abundance of life in Christ is different than any other abundance and any other promise in, this, in, 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 our, in our history and in our belief system. The Egyptian pharaohs, they were buried with all of their treasures. They were mummified in hopes that they could enjoy their bounty in the next life. While we now look at the bounty of their life in museums, and we look at their mummified bodies, and, and wonder how they, were, how they were done and preserved in such a way. But Jesus Christ is not about preserving. Jesus Christ is about living. And that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Jesus said that I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am there you may be also. This is the Easter reality, not the failed hopes that we, we see in other religions and other faiths. We are caretakers of our lives. We are caretakers of our possessions. We are caretakers of our talents. And all that we have, we use them. We use them wisely. We use them, we grow them, we develop them. Whether it's in the schools or whether it's in, in, in music or whether it's in, in our professions, we are given talents that we are to use and ask God to help us. So there's a big difference between a standard of living and a quality of life. To the sick person, their wealth is their health. To a lonely person, wealth is, the, is someone to talk to and to share their life with. To the estranged person, wealth is hearing words of love and forgiveness. <laughs> Brother Jeremiah wrote a poem about I'd pick more daisies. And these are, these are a few things that he spoke of in his poem. He said, and he's talking about living life and living, living it again. He said, I'd laugh at my misfortunes more. Sometimes we take ourselves too seriously. We sp spend more time counting my blessings than my blemishes. I'd spend more time playing with my children and grandchildren, less time watching performers in an arena. More time enjoying what I have and less time thinking about the things I don't have. If I could live my life again, I'd walk in the rain more without an umbrella and listen less to weather reports. Is it supposed to rain the rest of the day? <laughs> I'd spend more time looking at trees and climbing them than flipping through magazines from dead trees. I'd spend more time fully involved in the present moment and less time remembering and anticipating. I'd smile more and frown less. Anybody here frownless? And most of all, I'd be more spontaneous and active, less hesitant and subdued. When some spur-of-the-moment idea came up to go hiking or playing frisbee or coloring Easter eggs, how many turned down, don't raise your hand on this one, how many turned down coloring Easter eggs yesterday because you were too busy? <laughs> All right. I would sing in a chorus 
They wouldn't let me sing. But anyhow, I sing in the chorus. Go kayaking or watch an eclipse. I'd be less likely to sit in my chair objecting, objecting that it's not in my plan. I'd be more inclined to jump up and run out of doors the next time and say, yes, we can do this. Although I can't live my life again, I'm still going to live the new way every day and every way. I'll never have all the moments I've missed, but I do have all the time that I have remaining. It's not what I have done. It's what God has done for me. It's what God has done through me. It's what God is implanting in my life through his word and through his promises. It frees us up. It frees us up from our past. See, the idea of forgiveness and the idea of, of, of how that Christ has worked inside of us is that he forgives us of our past so that our past is not something we drag with us, but it's that which we have learned from. And in the present, we are calling upon the promises of God to be part of who we are. The promises of God from a living Savior that direct our thoughts and direct our actions. The resurrection brings about the reality of a spiritual and physical change. There is a change going on. Christians are not perfect. When you find one, don't believe it. <laughs> you know, I often, uh, one guy, he said, uh, uh, they were looking for a perfect church. And the pastor said, well, you don't want to come to mine. You'll ruin it. <laughs> Why? Because there is no perfect church. There is no one who is perfect. There are people who are about change and about going in the direction of change. You see, we are trapped by our beliefs. We are trapped by our beliefs. We believe certain things a certain way and it keeps us in those hedges. It keeps us hedged in in those beliefs. But the liberating thing about Christianity and about Jesus Christ is that he frees us up to see the potential that is inside of us. He, see, he frees us up to see the potential that is in others. And we become the greatest encouragers. The greatest encouragers are Christians because we believe that there is life and there is hope and there is a promise. We are changed from the inside out. And when we allow Jesus Christ to forgive us, it's about letting go of our failures and letting go of the failures that other people have given to us and looking for the successes that are in our lives. You know, we've lived too long as a worm. A worm, a worm, a worm, worm. Anybody know what a worm is? It's one of those things that crawl along the ground. We've lived too long of our lives as a worm. You know, a worm is a groundhog, uh, is a groundhog, is a groundhugger. <laughs> if a worm is transformed into a groundhog. <laughs> no. <laughs> a worm is, is a ground crawler or a ground hugger. And uh, it has a ground hugging mentality. But inside, you know, I asked this question to someone this morning. Well, I, I have these three guys at breakfast that... Uh, I always see, and they always ask me what my sermon's about, and, 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 my, and, I, and I have to have some illustration. I won't tell them. And I use this illustration, and I said, do you think a worm ever dreams of flying? Do you think a worm ever dreams of flying? 
And the answer is no, it doesn't have a brain to think of it. But we know that someday it's going to spin a cocoon, and that cocoon is going to struggle to get out of it, and it's going to spread its wings and become a butterfly. There's a transformation that takes place inside of it. Well, this transformation takes place because of what's inside of it. Even though it doesn't understand it, even though it doesn't anticipate it, there is a transformation that, that, that takes place when it breaks out of its cocoon. With the struggle comes forth a beautiful butterfly, no longer crawling through life, but using the breezes of, of life to lift it to new heights. Well, you see, our sins and our failures hold us to a ground-hugging mentality in life. Our sins and our failures give us a perspective in which we are just kind of crawling through life. But Jesus Christ has come to let us know that he makes all things new. Jesus Christ has come to forgive us and that his forgiveness is a transformation that takes us from one perspective of life to another. We are birthed in the image of God. We are clothed in his righteousness and we are created in his likeness. We are created to walk with God as friend with friend. We are created to be in the presence of God where he longs to be with us. The hope of the resurrection ignites a fire inside of us. It ignites something in us that is that our life is more than just crawling along, crawling along and trying to, make, to eke out an existence. We are created to be transformed. Transformed by our beliefs, not held prisoner by them. We are created to be transformed by our beliefs. And our beliefs are to be centered in the word of God and in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Transformed by a resurrected Savior. Transformed by his words. Promises that will change us. That will change us in this life and in the life to come. Behold, all things are become new. Jesus Christ has come to give us life. We are changed. <laughs> we are changed in this life. And we are changed in the life to come. <laughs> Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We find that there is a transition. That there is a life. There is a transformation. When Jesus Christ becomes our Savior. Our Messiah. We are changed. And we become new. The butterfly. But when life is over, we have the hope of eternal life. You know, the sun, in the Sunday school lesson this morning, we spoke about how that the resurrection was not a time in which people came expecting. There was confusion. Because they went to the tomb to, find, to look for the body of Jesus, to anoint it with oils and perfumes for burial. And the day of the resurrection, there was a lot of confusion going on. 
And in Luke chapter 24, it talks about how the, there were two on the road to Emmaus. And they were talking about how that all the disturbing things had taken place in the last couple of days. And Jesus, the resurrected Christ, joins them on this road. And he begins to talk to them about the events of the last couple of days. And they were all upset about what had happened to Jesus. And then, of course, they, he had, they had heard about the idea that Jesus had been risen from the dead, but they heard it from a couple of hysterical women. <laughs> and they didn't believe it. And so Jesus is walking with them. And he says, why can't you simply believe what the prophets have told you? And don't you see that these things had to happen so that the Messiah had to suffer and, and, and only then could he enter into his glory? Then he started at the beginning with Moses. Jesus, the one walking on the road to Emmaus with these two, with these two disciples. He started with Moses and he began to work his way through all the prophets on this seven-mile journey, he walked with them and he talked with them about all of the things that the Messiah must, must, must be and must happen to him and must do. And then after, after they are going along on this journey, they arrive at the village. And Jesus is about to go on and these two say, no, no, come, come stay with us, come, come eat with us. It's dark and you, it's, it's nighttime and you shouldn't be on the road. And, and so Jesus went with them and he went into their home and he sat down with them at the meal. And when he sat down at the meal with them, he prayed. He broke the bread. And there was something about all of that that opened their eyes and they recognized him. It is Jesus. It is Jesus, and he's alive, and he disappeared from them, from their midst. And the disciples said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us when he disclosed the scriptures to us? And that's the point that I want today of this Easter message it isn't that I am able to explain all this in a way that you understand it. It's that I will present the word of God and the scriptures in such a way that the Holy Spirit will burn within your chest, within your heart, within you, that there is truth to these words, that there is hope in these words, there is life in the word of Jesus Christ, there is life in the scriptures. And as those two disciples heard Jesus speak to them, they didn't see him. They didn't, couldn't put it all together. But when it happened, a change took place inside of them. They were changed from a, from a, a worm to a butterfly, from the cocoon, through the struggles of their life. They saw a whole new life come alive inside of them. When Jesus Christ was there in their midst, and it came to pass that he disappeared. And the life of his word became alive in them. And that's our hope.
of the Easter story. Not that I convince you in your mind, but the Spirit of God burn within your heart and that the truths of what is said become alive to you. As Jesus disappeared from those two, from the midst of those two disciples, and they were convinced, wow, he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. <laughs> he's alive. He's alive. That's the reality that gripped their hearts and changed them. He's alive. Can we say that? He's alive. Again, he's alive. There's a song that says, He's alive and I'm forgiven. Heaven's gates are open wide. He's alive. <laughs> he's alive. He's alive. 